footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening and welcome to your nightmares. Where we like to keep it dark and dreamy here at Dark Softly Tales, this is your host, Mav. We have come to the end of The Screaming Skull and I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, I will be releasing our Halloween episode a few days early because why not? I hope everyone has Halloween plans, whether it's passing out candy or going to a party or staying home and watching The Lost Boys. It's the one day out of the year, it doesn't feel weird to wear a mask. So might as well make the most of it. So there's something I want to let everyone know about. I will probably start sponsored ads soon. I know, I know, I know. I hate listening to ads on podcasts as much as everyone else out there which is one of the reasons I've held off for so long. However, I will try to make it as entertaining as possible, and hopefully I can squeeze it in so that you're able to hit that 30-second fast-forward button and just get to the freaking story. (laughs) With the business out of the way, let's get back to the sea captain and the dreadful conclusion of The Screaming Skull. Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. The Screaming Skull by F. Marion Crawford Narrated by Mav Sky Here's the box. I brought it down very carefully so as not to disturb it. Poor thing. You see, if it were shaken, the jaw might get separated from it again. And I'm sure it wouldn't like that. Yes, the candle went out as I was coming downstairs. But that was the draft from the leaky window on the landing. Did you hear anything? Yes, there was another scream. Am I pale, do you say? Oh, that's nothing. My heart is a little queer sometimes, and I went upstairs too fast. In fact, that's one reason why I really prefer to live altogether on the ground floor. Wherever that shriek came from, it was not from the skull. For I had the box in my hand when I heard the noise, and here it is now. So we have proved definitely that the screams are produced by something else. I've no doubt I shall find out someday what makes them. Some crevice in the wall, of course, or a crack in a chimney, or a chink in the frame of a window. That's the way all ghost stories end in real life. Do you know I'm jolly glad I thought of going up and bringing it down for you to see? For that last shriek settles the question. To think that I should have been so weak as to fancy that the poor skull could really cry out like a living thing. Now, I'll open the box, and we'll take it out and look at it under the bright light. 
rather awful to think that the poor lady used to sit there, in your chair, evening after evening in just the same light, isn't it? But then, I've made up my mind that it's all rubbish from beginning to end, and it's just an old skull that Luke had when he was a student, and perhaps he put it into the lime merrily to whiten it, and could not find the jaw. I made a seal on the string, you see, after I put the jaw in its place, and I wrote on the cover. There is the old white label on it still, from the milliners, addressed to Mrs. Pratt when the hat was sent to her. And as there was room, I wrote on the edge, A skull, once the property of the late Luke Pratt, M.D. I don't know why I wrote that, unless it was with the idea of explaining how the thing happened to be in my possession. I cannot help wondering what sort of hat it was that came in the bandbox. What color was it, do you think? Was it a gay spring hat with a bobbing feather and pretty ribbons? Strange that the very same box should hold the head that wore the finery, perhaps. No, we made up our minds that it just came from the hospital in London, where Luke did his time. It's far better to look at it in that light, isn't it? There's no more connection between the skull and poor Mrs. Pratt than there was between my story about the lead and... Good Lord! Take the lamp. Where the deuce is it? There. That won't open again, for I've put up the bar. Good dodge, an old-fashioned bar. There's nothing like it. Now, you find the bandbox while I light the lamp. Confound those wretched matches. Yes, a pipe spill is better. It must light in the fire. I hadn't thought of it. Thank you. Ah, there we are again. Now, where's the box? Yes, put it back on the table. And we'll open it. That's the first time I have ever known the wind to burst that window open. But it was partly carelessness on my part when I last shut it. Yes, of course I heard the scream. It seemed to go all around the house before it broke in at the window. That proves that it's always been the wind and nothing else, doesn't it? When it was not the wind, it was my imagination. I've always been a very imaginative man. I must have been, though I did not know it. As we grow older, we understand ourselves better, don't you think? <sighs> I'll have a drop of that Hulstkamp neat, by way of an exception, since you are filling up your glass. That damp gust chilled me, and with my rheumatic tendency, I'm very much afraid of a chill, for the cold sometimes seems to stick in my joints all winter when it once gets in. By George, that's good stuff. I'll just light a fresh pipe, now that everything is snug again, and then we'll open the box. I'm so glad we heard that last scream together, with the skull here on the table between us, for a thing cannot possibly be in two places at the same time. And the noise most certainly came from outside, as any noise the wind makes must. You thought you heard it scream through the window, after the window was burst open? Oh, yes, so did I, but that was natural enough when everything was open. 
Of course, we heard the wind. What could one expect? Look here, please. I want you to see that the seal is intact before we open the box together. Will you take my glasses? No, you have your own. All right. The seal is sound, you see, and you can read the words of the motto easily. Sweet and low. That's it, because the poem goes on, Wind of the Western Sea, and says, Blow him again to me. And all that. Here is the seal on my watch chain, where it's hung for more than 40 years. My poor little wife gave it to me when I was courting, and I never had any other. It was just like her to think of those words. She was always fond of Tennyson. It's of no use to cut the string, for it's fastened to the box. So I'll just break the wax and untie the knot, and afterward, we'll seal it up again. You see, I like to feel that the thing is safe in its place, and that nobody can take it out. Not that I should suspect Treherne of meddling with it, but I always feel that he knows a lot more than he tells. You see, I've managed it without breaking the string, though when I fastened it, I never expected to open the band box again. The lid comes off easily enough. There. Now look. What? Nothing in it? E empty? It's gone, man. The skull is gone. No, there's nothing the matter with me. I'm only trying to collect my thoughts. It's so strange. I'm positively certain that it was inside when I put on the seal last spring. I can't have imagined that. It's utterly impossible. If I ever took a stiff glass with a friend now and then, I would admit that I might have made some idiotic mistake when I had taken too much. But I don't, and I never did. A pint of ale at supper and half a go of rum at bedtime was the most I ever took in my good days. I believe it's always we sober fellows who get rheumatism and gout. Yet there was my seal, and there is the empty bandbox. That's plain enough. I say, I don't half like this. It's not right. There's something wrong about it, in my opinion. You needn't talk to me about supernatural manifestations, for I don't believe in them. Not a little bit. Somebody must have tampered with the seal and stolen the skull. Sometimes, when I go out to work in the garden in summer, I leave my watch and chain on the table. Treherne must have taken the seal then and used it, for he would be quite sure that I should not come in for at least an hour. If it was not Treherne, oh, don't talk to me about the possibility that the thing has got out by itself. If it has, it must be somewhere about the house, in some out-of-the-way corner, waiting. We may come upon it anywhere, waiting for us, don't you know? Just waiting in the dark. And then it will scream at me, it will shriek at me in the dark, for it hates me, I tell you. The bandbox is quite empty. We are not dreaming, either of us. There, I turned it upside down. What's that? Something fell out as I turned it over. It's on the floor. It's near your feet. I know it is, and we must find it. Help me find it, man. 
Have you got it? For God's sake, give it to me quickly. Lead! I knew it when I heard it fall. I knew it couldn't be anything else by the little thud it made on the hearthrug. So it was lead after all. And Luke did it. <sighs> I feel a little bit shaken up. Not exactly nervous, you know, but badly shaken up. That's for the fact. Anybody would, I should think. After all, you cannot say that it's fear of the thing, for I went up and brought it down. At least, I believed I was bringing it down. And that's the same thing. And by George, rather than give in to such silly nonsense, I'll take the box upstairs again and put it back in its place. It's not that. It's the certainty that the poor little woman came to her end in that way, by my fault, because I told the story. That's what is so dreadful. Somehow, I had always hoped that I should never be quite sure of it, but there is no doubting it now. Look at that. Look at it. That little lump of lead with no particular shape. Think of what it did, man. Doesn't it make you shiver? He gave her something to make her sleep, of course, but there must have been one moment of awful agony. Think of having boiling lead poured into your brain. Think of it. She was dead before she could scream, but only think of... Oh! Oh, there it is again! It's just outside. I know it's just outside. I can't keep it out of my head. Oh! Oh! You thought I fainted? Oh no, I wish I had, for it would have stopped sooner. It's all very well to say that it's only a noise, and that a noise never hurt anybody. You're as white as a shroud yourself. There's only one thing to be done, if we hope to close an eye tonight. We must find it and put it back into its bandbox and shut it up in the cupboard, where it likes to be. I don't know how it got out, but it wants to get in again. That's why it screams so awfully tonight. It was never so bad as this. Never since I first... Uh, bury it? Yes, if we can find it, we'll bury it. If it takes us all night. We'll bury it six feet deep and ram down the earth over it so that it shall never get out again. And if it screams, we shall hardly hear it so deep down. Quick, we'll get the lantern and look for it. It can't be far away. I am sure it's just outside. It was coming in when I shut the window. I know it. Yes, you're quite right. I'm losing my senses. I must get a hold of myself. Don't speak to me for a minute or two. I'll sit quite still and keep my eyes shut and repeat something I know. That's the best way. Add together the altitude, the latitude, and the polar distance. Divide by two and subtract the altitude from the half sum. Then add the logarithm of the secant of the latitude, the cosecant of the polar distance, the cosine of the half sum, and the sine of the half sum minus the altitude. There. Don't say that I'm out of my senses, for my memory is all right. Isn't it? Of course you may say that it's mechanical, 
and that we never forget the things we learned when we were boys and have used almost every day for a lifetime. But that's the very point. When a man is going crazy, it's a mechanical part of his mind that gets out of order and won't work right. He remembers things that never happened, or he sees things that aren't real, or he hears noises when there is perfect silence. That's not what is the matter with either of us. Is it? Come, we'll get the lantern and go around the house. It's not raining, only blowing like old boots, as we used to say. The lantern is in the cupboard under the stairs in the hall, and I always keep it trimmed in case of a wreck. No use to look for the thing? I don't see how you can say that. It was nonsense to talk of burying it, of course, for it doesn't want to be buried. It wants to go back into its bandbox and be taken upstairs, the poor thing. Trahern took it out, I know, and made the seal over again. Perhaps he took it to the churchyard, and he may have meant well. I dare say he thought that it would not scream any more if it were quietly laid in consecrated ground near where it belongs. But it has come home. Yes, that's it. He's not half a bad fellow, Trehearn, and rather religiously inclined, I think. Does not that sound natural and reasonable and well-meant? He supposed it screamed because it was not decently buried, with the rest. But he was wrong. How should he know that it screams at me because it hates me, and because it's my fault that there was that little lump of lead in it? No use to look for it, anyhow. Nonsense. I tell you, it wants to be found. Hark! What's that knocking? Do you hear it? Knock, 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 three times. Then a pause. And then again. It has a hollow sound, hasn't it? It has come home. I've heard that knock before. It wants to come in and be taken upstairs, in its box. It's at the front door. Will you come with me? We'll take it in. Yes, I own that I don't like to go alone and open the door. The thing will roll in and stop against my foot, just as it did before, and the light will go out. I'm a good deal shaken by finding that bit of lead, and besides, my heart isn't quite right. Too much strong tobacco, perhaps. Besides, I'm willing to own that I'm a bit nervous tonight, if I never was before in my life. That's right, I'll come along. I'll take the box with me, so as not to come back. Do you hear the knocking? It's not like any other knocking I ever heard. If you will hold this door open, I can find the lantern under the stairs by the light from this room without bringing the lamp into the hall. It would only go out. The thing knows we are coming. Hark, it's impatient to get in. Don't shut the door till the lantern is ready, whatever you do. There will be the usual trouble with the matches, I suppose. No, the first one, by Jove. I tell you, it wants to get in, so there's no trouble. All right, with that door now, shut it, please. Now, come and hold the lantern, for it's blowing so hard outside that I shall have to use both hands. 
That's it. Hold the light low. Do you hear the knocking still? Okay, here it goes. I'll just open enough with my foot against the bottom of the door. Now. Catch it. It's only the wind that blows it across the floor. That's all. There's half a hurricane outside, I tell you. Have you got it? The bandbox is on the table. One minute and I'll have the bar up there. Why did you throw it into the box so roughly? It doesn't like that, you know. What do you say? Bitten your hand. Nonsense, man. You did just what I did. You pressed the jaws together with your other hand and pinched yourself. Here, let me see. You don't mean to say you have drawn blood. You must have squeezed hard, by Jove, for the skin is certainly torn. I'll give you some carbolic solution for it, and we go to bed. For they say a scratch from a skull's tooth may go bad and give trouble. Come inside again, and let me see it by the lamp. I'll, uh, I'll bring the bandbox. Never mind the lantern. It may just as well burn in the hall, for I shall need it presently when I go up the stairs. Yes, shut the door if you will. It makes it more cheerful and bright. Is your finger still bleeding? Okay, I'll get the carbolic in just a minute. Now, let me see the thing. Ugh. There's a drop of blood on the upper jaw. It's on the eye tooth. Ghastly, isn't it? When I saw it running along the floor of the hall, the strength almost went out of my hands, and I felt my knees bending. Then I understood that it was the gale, driving it over the smooth boards. You don't blame me? No, I should think not. We were boys together, and we've seen a thing or two, and we may just as well own to each other that we were both in a beastly funk when it slid across the floor at you. No wonder you pinched your finger picking it up. After that, if I did the same thing out of sheer nervousness and broad daylight, with the sun streaming in on me? Strange that the jaw should stick to it so closely, isn't it? I suppose it's the dampness, for it shuts like a vice. I have wiped off the drop of blood, for it was not nice to look at. I'm not going to try to open the jaws. Don't be afraid. I shall not play any tricks with the poor thing, but I'll just seal the box again, and we'll take it upstairs and put it away where it wants to be. The wax is on the writing table by the window. Thank you. It will be long before I leave my seal lying about again for Treyhorn to use, I can tell you. Explain? I don't explain natural phenomena, but if you choose to think that Treyhorn had hidden it somewhere in the bushes, and that the gale blew it to the house against the door, and made it knock, as if it wanted to be let in, you're not thinking the impossible, and I'm quite ready to agree with you. Do you see that? You can swear that you've actually seen me seal it this time, in case anything of the kind should occur again. The wax fastened the strings to the lid, which cannot possibly be lifted, even enough to get in one finger. You're quite satisfied, aren't you? Yes. Besides, I shall lock the cupboard and keep the key in my pocket hereafter. Now we can take the lantern and go upstairs. Do you know? I'm very much inclined to agree with your theory that the wind blew it against the house. I'll go ahead. 
for I know the stairs. Just hold the lantern near my feet as we go up. How the wind howls and whistles. Do you feel the sand on the floor under your shoes as we cross the hall? Yes, this is the door of the best bedroom. Hold up the lantern, please. This side, by the head of the bed. I left the cupboard open when I got the box. Isn't it queer how the faint odor of women's dresses will hang about an old closet for years? This is the shelf. You've seen me set the box there, and now you see me turn the key and put it in my pocket. So, that's done. Good night. Are you sure you're quite comfortable? It's not much of a room, but I dare say you would as soon sleep here as upstairs tonight. If you want anything, sing out. There's only a lath and plaster partition between us. There's not so much wind on this side by half. There's a Hollands on the table if you'll have one more nightcap. No? Well, do as you please. Good night again. And don't dream about that thing if you can. The following paragraph appeared in the Penradden News, 23rd of November, 1906. Mysterious death of a retired sea captain. The village of Tracombe is much disturbed by the strange death of Captain Charles Braddock, and all sorts of impossible stories are circulating with regards to the circumstances, which certainly seem difficult of explanation. The retired captain, who had successfully commanded in his time the largest and fastest liners belonging to one of the principal transatlantic steamship companies, was found dead in his bed on Tuesday morning in his own cottage, a quarter of a mile from the village. An examination was made at once by the local practitioner, which revealed the horrible fact that the deceased had been bitten in the throat by a human assailant. Such amazing force as to crush the windpipe and cause death. The marks of the teeth of both jaws were so plainly visible on the skin that they could be counted. But the perpetrator of the deed had evidently lost the two lower middle incisors. It is hoped that this peculiarity may help to identify the murderer, who can only be a dangerous, escaped maniac. The deceased, though over 65 years of age, is said to have been a hale man of considerable physical strength, and it is remarkable that no signs of any struggle were visible in the room, nor could it be ascertained how the murderer had entered the house. Warning has been sent to all the insane asylums in the United Kingdom, but as of yet, no information has been received regarding the escape of any dangerous patient. The coroner's jury returned the somewhat singular verdict that Captain Braddock came to his death by the hands or teeth of some person unknown. The local surgeon is said to have expressed privately the opinion that the maniac is a woman. A view he deduces from the small size of the jaws, as shown by the marks of the teeth. The whole affair is shrouded in mystery. Captain Braddock was a widower and lived alone. He leaves no children. Who likes dark stories? People who have experienced a touch of the dark side. People who are a little wiser to the world. People who like their bones chilled and their spines tingled. People like you and me. 
It's hard to find a story these days that write on the dark side with a touch of whimsy, humor, and heart. Mav Sky spreads her dark wings and solves this problem for you. Head on over to Amazon and type Mav Sky's name into the search engine. M-A-V-S-K-Y-E. At Amazon, you'll find her Tales to Chill Your Bones series, Girl Clown Hatchet series, Supergirl series, her cult classic novel, Wanted Single Rails, and of course, her brand new release, Cold Hangs the Midnight. Choose your dark flavor and head on over to Amazon today. Thank you.